Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Um, listen, you keep sending me your location information. I want to know what that's about. I don't um, mean to do that. I don't <laughs> know what's weird. going on there. You are on the I Atlantic usually, coast of Florida. Thank you for that information. I mean, I usually, when I drop a pin, it's usually got something to do with male prostitutes or crystal right. meth being that's dropped off. That's what I off. figured. Yeah. So I'm curious uh, why you keep I saw that. I like, I saw why she's sending times. me a map. Yeah, you've I done said, why is she sending me a map? And I'm like, yeah. no, I just sent her a map yeah, of where I live. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely easing into By that the way, old I'll man. I'll sell that like, to the highest bidder. Doesn't get it. I'll sell that to the oh, highest yeah, bidder. Oh, yeah, what a thrill. <laughs> what a thrill. Anyway. Come roll with the dog. Got, it's like I, I can see you like misdoing your iPhone and then, oh, I said like, like, oh, I sent this by accident. What, am I talking into this? Oh, uh, Kara. You well, have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but it's not at night. It's not late at night. It's like in the morning. It's not like no. A, it's there's no excuse. I'm not even it, drunk. It's really funny. Is, anyway, Scott yeah. is on the Atlantic coast, and anyone wants to know. Go uh, ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have a board meeting today for my company, and, and yeah. all of them got wonderful pictures of my dog and children bathing. <laughs> Because I, I didn't realize, I thought it was sending out the deck. And I'm yeah. like, oh, there's a PDF. That, that feels like a picture. So they, they're, and they all are so nice. They're like, this is really cute. Oh, how old is the young one now? And I'm like, sorry, didn't oh. mean to send these. Oh, wow. They all try That's to professional. Be like, That's professional. Anyways. So today we're going to talk about the FTC's case against Meta, which is back. Uh, we'll take a look at the biggest video game deal in history, and we'll take a listener question about the future of retail. All such interesting things. But first of all, Magic Leap is pivoting into healthcare. Um, the company previously set out to make a consumer AR headset, um, and its next product will target applications for surgeons instead, which is interesting. It's a big area. Uh, meanwhile, analysts are excited about Apple's VR and AR gear, even though the company hasn't announced any. But as you and I have talked about, um, it's probably going to be nifty. Um, so talk about, uh, you know, Magic Leap was sort of, the, it's a Florida company, so I want you to take the lead here. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was lots of big investors, and Google was in there. Like, everybody was in Magic Leap. Huge amounts of money. It's now being run by... A uh, very uh, terrific executive named Peggy Johnson, who, was a, who I know from Microsoft. She was 
doing their acquisitions and strategy there. Um, really smart person. So what do, what do you think about this? Is it just they're like, look, this is too hard to do from an entertainment perspective or what? Well, first off, it's a real knock on Florida. We only, I mean, until recently, we only had two unicorns. Mm -hmm. Chewy, which is a really inspiring yep. company in Miami, focused on pets. They kind of came in and, you know, proved that you could compete against Amazon, uh, great merchandising, great operations. Yep. And then Magic Leap was sort of the first. And Magic Leap, there's just no get, getting around it. Magic Leap has been an enormous disappointment today. Yeah. And it was supposed to be kind of the the kind of original, you know, the OG in VR. Yeah. And the Very person who founded founder, it. founder, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, reportedly, you know, supposed to be a genius, one of these. And, any, and anyone who spoke to this person wanted to invest, and they did. But I think the pivot here is um, necessary and smart. And that is, if you think about VR, the costs, A, the economic costs are large, and B, the non-economic costs, specifically uh -huh. putting something like this on your head, are also really high. And uh, the notion that they would go after B2B markets where the utility of performing a surgery in India with somebody who doesn't have access to a world-class you know, cardiothoracic transplant surgeon, and mm -hmm. maybe you can simulate it with robot combination of robotics and VR. I just think I've always said, and the lesson here is the following, or what I would tell young people, is that, and I'm trying to reverse engineers to, to career decisions around their human capital. I've always said have a bias towards B2B versus B2C. Mm -hmm. Because B2C is more interesting, more romantic. It's more fun to talk about Netflix. Yeah, it's more, more fun to talk about Vans. It's more fun to talk about a headset for consumers and gaming. So it's overinvested. Take your company and sell it into large enterprise and small and medium-sized business. Because if you can show some utility there, they're much less price sensitive. It's not mm -hmm. nearly as overinvested. Every company I've started has been a B2B company. Yes, and every, except for one, B2C, which was Red Envelope, and that was my fucking Vietnam. I can't get over how demanding consumers are and how price sensitive they are. If you walk into Walmart and say, I can help you figure out your digital innovation or I have data that can help you, they will pay real money and they're nice to deal with. Consumers, oh my gosh, are they difficult. Right. So I, I like this. I think it's a smart pivot. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. You, you, I, I, you know I have a lot CEO. of regard for Peggy Johnson and I'd love to hear her talk about it. Maybe she will at some event soon. Um, but uh, I think it's, you know, I think they, they have a lot of weight on them given all the investments. People, it's been the sort of the longest running next big thing for a long time. You know, it had a lot mm -hmm. of mystery around it, a lot of problem. The, the founder had done some really crazy interviews, as I recall. I don't even remember them, but I remember they were crazy. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, an, it, you know, it was interesting they located in Florida. Uh, it was interesting the investors. And so, you know, you got to make something of this. And it's it's an incredibly, they probably have fantastic technology. I, I don't doubt it. Um, but I think there's a lot of people piling in here and they've got to get going. Right. You can't be, there's an expression, the planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers. They don't want to be those pioneers, I guess, you know, in the early days of this stuff. They were definitely early to this and the first people talking about it. And a lot of it was sort of fluffery, but some of it was very significant. So, yes, I think so. I agree with you. It's a nice pivot. We'll see. I'd like to hear more about it is what I'd like to do. So here's another story you're going to like. A new lawsuit mm -hmm. claims that the nation's top universities colluded to fix prices and violated federal law. The suit names 
someone at a dozen universities, including Yale, Georgetown, where I went, Cornell and Columbia. Uh, I also went there. Uh, lawyers say more than 170,000 former students could join in the suit as plaintiffs. Oh, exciting for me. Currently, it's just uh, five. Scott, w- will you be called as an expert witness? Tell me, what do you think about this? Colluding. I used to do a lot of expert witness work. Um, yeah. Did you? So, yeah, a lot. Did you pretend the- you were a doctor? Um, Dr. Scott Galloway. It's likely that she was dead for more than 24 hours. Um, So, gonk, gonk. I just kept waiting for that sound after I would say something. I would make these bold declarative statements, but all my expert witness stuff was around IP. I'm going to take down a little highway here. What what do you were an expert witness on? It it hurts my feelings that you're this shocked. Well, I am. I'm like, what what do you think I was? Let me put it back to you. What do you think I was an expert witness? I don't know. Marketing? Marketing. I was an IP and brand strategy expert. I would talk about (laughs) IP violations for brands. It shocks me that you find this so humorous and unbelievable. Okay. Okay. Anyways. I'd like to meet those lawyers. (laughs) There's an Alan Dershowitz (laughs) around somewhere wandering around. I was the expert. I was the go-to expert witness for Adidas for a decade. Anyways. Okay. Stop it. Three stripes. It's it's confusing when you have four or two stripes. This area is so dear dear to your heart to like bash universities where you work. Look, first off, a group of people colluding to increase prices and soak the middle class. Kara, Mm -hmm. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Look at what's going on here. Um, Okay, so in every city, you have a duopoly. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't care if it's Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. Yeah. It's San Francisco. There's two great universities. And then there are a bunch of, you know, what I'll call second-tier universities. Yeah. And what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. They all what charge you know? pretty much exactly the same price. Just Let's look two. at New York. Yeah. There's Fordham, mm-hmm. which has about a 50 or 60% admittance rate. A good college, not what you would call a great brand. Yeah. There's NYU, which is for rich kids who can get into a good to great school. And then there's Columbia, sort of the Mercedes. Pinnacle. Yeah. And, and admits 6%. Yeah. They all charge somewhere between fifty and $60,000. Now, how does that happen? Uh, that's like saying, what would have happened if there were two auto dealerships and it ended up with, okay, we end up with Hyundais and Mercedes at the same price. Isn't something wrong? And we all raise our prices in exact lockstep. What if there were only two grocery stores? Well, they, they sometimes in, do. Like, they people watch each other's prices, that's for sure, right? That's not a new But impression. there's no competition, and here's right. the problem. There's no pressure to bring prices down because the only way you can be a working university is if you give your kids access to debt. And uh, debt is based on your ability to issue debt to pay these usurious fees is based on accreditation. And who runs the accreditation institutions? The incumbents. And as a result, over the last 30 years, only 157 new universities have been admitted, meaning that we have exploded education uh, companies, organizations, despite the fact there's massive demand in two out of three jobs now need a college degree, whereas one in three just 20, 30 years ago, we have exploded the market by 0.7% a year such yeah. that we constrain supply. We leverage this rejectionist culture of, that makes us feel good about turning away 80, 90% of our applicants. And what we end up doing is creating un- this, the best business model in the world that lets us increase prices, including colluding with each other around how much financial aid we're going to give each other. Collusion's a heavy word. Do you think it's colluding or colluding? It's 100%, is, there's, okay. there's never been, they get in a room. 
Yeah. And they share the, they, and they, they, they mutually share. agree upon an algorithm for how much financial aid they're going to give, which is price fixing. Yeah. And then the the case said that was given the the universities were actually given an exemption from this collusion and allowed to collude if they if they were quote unquote uh, not uh, need blind, and that is, mm-hmm. they weren't a cartel. They were not uh, letting in people because right. they were rich and less needy. And what do you know? Shocker! They found out a lot of people are getting off the waiting list because they were the sons and daughters of billionaires. This, this higher ed has mm-hmm. been the greatest assault on the prosperity of the middle class of the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. We have soaked the middle class of a trillion and a half dollars. Everybody talks about rampant inflation being bad. It is because if your salary doesn't keep pace yeah. with the cost of goods, then your lifestyle, your purchasing power, your prosperity goes down. Yeah. And the middle class has seen their 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 wages barely keep pace barely keep pace with inflation, but that the one thing that they are told they have failed as a parent unless they buy has skyrocketed in cost. There yeah. has been it's a real th- sticker you, shock. Doesn't matter who how much money you have, it's really like expensive. It's like crazy expensive. Crazy expensive. But and the amount of despair. Yeah. Our our even the accreditation process, it's mm-hmm. based on curriculum and quality of faculty. We want people like us with PhDs, our buddies from Carnegie Mellon, and we want mm-hmm. this full complement of courses, including things on sustainability and leadership and ethics. Yeah. So if a university said we got five smart practitioners who are gonna right. teach four right. to eight amazing this. classes in cybersecurity, and I can get these kids' jobs at a hundred grand right out of school, we they don't measure outcomes. Yeah. They're not interested in outcomes. Yeah, that's the They're second part. Interested in PBS self-aggrandizement and arrogance, there has net. This is there are very few outcomes. institutions and organizations that have been this this uh, rapacious and damaging to the middle class. Under all under the auspices of, of this goodness. this fake nobility. Mm, Bring right. it. This okay. is overdue. I like it. I like it. Is it, is it your lawsuit? No. We'll see if you get well, called in. You could get called in. I bet you could be. But here's the problem. No. This lawsuit This lawsuit actually doesn't address the problem because here's the other dirty little yeah. secret. These universities, yeah. it's actually cheaper than most universities because they have mm-hmm. so much money mm-hmm. that they give out financial aid. And the net costs, the net tuition at Princeton has actually gone down mm-hmm. because they have so much goddamn money. So yeah. what happens? Increased income inequality. Princeton isn't one of the universities in the lawsuit, but it's um, a similarly elite school. So by way of example, you get into Princeton, you're set. You get an amazing degree at a lower cost. You get arbitrage down because you haven't built wells in Africa or don't have a patent by the time you're 17, or your dad isn't Ray Dalio, mm-hmm. and you end up at a mediocre car paying a Mercedes price for a Hyundai. I... Uh, this... This is really, yeah. uh, I, I think there are a few things that represent a greater threat to America that we're not talking about than, than this rejectionist luxury positioning. Well, and everybody wants free college. It's so interesting. Oddly enough, I was reading Marianne Williamson's tweets today. I like Marianne. And she was like, everybody in America wants free college, some gun control, this and this and this. And when we do none of this, like everybody, when you say free college to people, everybody wants it. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, topic. And I agree. Speaking of which, you know, I'm speaking at Princeton this weekend. I am. I'm going up to Good Princeton. For you. I grew up there. That's nice. I grew up in Princeton. I didn't get in, but I am speaking there. So nonetheless. Can I, can I just go on for another okay. moment here? Yes, please. Okay. So my class, we shifted to all online to the pandemic. Yes. 280 kids, yep. right? Yeah. What do they each pay? They each pay $7,000. Mm-hmm. So in order to take brand strategy with Scott Galloway for mm-hmm. two hours and 40 minutes, 12 times, we charge them $1.96 million. Young people, $1.96 million. Can you even think... 
of another product that an organization charges $2 million for and gets 98 points of gross margin? Yeah. Can you even think of a product? I, I have one. What? And that Drugs. is Zolgensma, which is this life-saving gene therapy that oh, costs okay. $2 million for two doses. So yeah. either save your life and not die of a terrible genetic disorder or brand strategy with Scott Galloway. Neither of those is sustainable. It yeah. is It is the amount of money we are charging young people uh, is uh, it, 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 it's just staggering when you really think about the true numbers and the impact and despair and a, a financial oppression it is levying on Many American middle-class households. Many people I know have still have college loans and they're quite old. Um, may I just say, though, you're priceless. In any case, 3,000 United Airlines employees have COVID. Did you see that, according to the CEO? I like the CEO. He's really interesting. One third of the airline staff in Newark called in out sick from the single day. In better news, Kirby says the employee deaths from COVID have dropped to zero since implementing his vaccine mandate. So they're not dying, but they're getting sick. Previously, the airline averaged one employee death per week from the virus. Kirby uh, credited United's vaccine mandate for the change. He wrote, quote, unquote, there are approximately eight to 10 United employees who are alive today because of our vaccine requirement, unquote. Boom, he says. So, you know, all the airlines are canceling flights, not just airlines. We're just using them as a as a proxy here. Um, schools are like, the, schools are happening like the, everything, every everywhere there's people uh, out. Um, and, you know, pretty much in the school line, all the parents are discussing all the strategies of everyone being out and when to go in and this and that. And so, including with work and things like that. Um, so everyone's canceled flights. I'll, I'll just use flights as an example. So this is a really, this is going to go on, although today there was also a story several places about the, the virus peaking everywhere. It's, it's going to follow along Britain and South Africa's thing. So it could be uh, over relatively soon, relatively soon, the illnesses. And people yeah, will work through them. Your words to God's ears. Uh, so yeah. just as every day we get better at renting our human capital mm -hmm. um, via remote technologies, and which chips away at the office industrial complex's ability to bounce back, the other industry that is just going to get ravaged is um, business travel. Yeah. And I track everything I do, yeah. but it's not coming back because yeah. we're getting so much better. Uh, in 2014, I, I looked it up, I spent 238 days on the road for business. Whoa. Uh, and, 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 and again, I'm being existential or spiritual here. I, I think the lesson here or the opportunity when you think about uh, the pandemic is I've been thinking a lot about professional unlocks and there's also a personal unlock or there's an opportunity and that is if you're blessed with resources uh, coming out of this pandemic and good health, look at mm -hmm. technology and decide yep. what is the unlock for me and the unlock right. uh, and uh, as always I'll turn this back to me. I've decided I am never going to spend more than 50 days away from my family unless it's with them and for fun or I'm doing something that's mm -hmm. you know that's that's fun yeah there's just no reason to travel as much yeah. uh, for business. I agree. I've there been coming back. I used to travel all the time. I don't travel. I'm, yeah, I'm traveling a little more going forward. Um, I have a bunch of stuff over the spring uh, coming up. But you're right. Uh, you and I, for example, are going to Europe. Uh, but uh, did you know that? You and I are taking We're a romantic to trip to Germany. Yes, we are. 
Oh, we're going to Hamburg. We're going to Hamburg. We're gonna. That's right. Because Daddy brings cash. the cabbage in for the high ticket <laughs> speaking gigs. Um. Anyway, but I, I agree they, with you. Can I you think... believe Germans want us on stage? <laughs> I know. Right? They loves your chemistry. Yes, <laughs> we love. We think you're funny, Karen. Uh, um, uh, anyway, oh. uh, so um, so here's the deal. I think that it's well, uh, these airline cancellations are interesting. I think business travel definitely. People are wanting to travel, though, I have to say. Everyone I know does want to get on a plane. And uh, I have pretty much everyone of my friends who's gotten a plane has had a plane issue. Um, and so I, th- it'll be ki- I think planes will be back for certain things. But you're correct about business travel. But I think uh, most people really are dying to get the hell away from their houses um, in some fashion. Just, uh, and not we're not dying houses. to get away from we're not dying to get away from our houses. We're dying to get away from the individuals who occupy our houses. <laughs> Whatever. Um. I think people want to go places. People are, we're planning a lot for the summer, hopefully. Um, and, you know, I think people are just like, okay, enough of dinner at home kind of thing. So um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But the, I, most people, I just did a really interesting interview with Emily Oster, who's an economist at Brown, very well known and sometimes controversial because she really was pushing for keeping schools open back in the day. Um she said, you know, at, this was three weeks ago. She said the next six weeks are going to be really tough in terms of work. People are going to sick out. And she's been correct, you know, and it's going to have an economic impact. Um, so we'll see. Well, but, I, hopefully think about, we'll be over soon. Think about what COVID has done. There was a great article in the New York Times called Davos Man. Um, yes. Yeah. We're it was actually making on. fun of. We're going to have him Which on. was making fun of Mark Benioff, with that, which I think is unfair. I think Mark's okay. actually well, you can made huge efforts to redistribute his income. But anyways, um, if you look at who's benefited most, you know, trillionaires have increased mm-hmm. their wealth. I'm sorry, billionaires have increased their yep. wealth 70%. And yep. the people who are getting sick, the people who are resigning are the people on the front line who don't have the opportunities to stay yep. at home and don't have assets. I mean, it's yep. really been a double, a double whammy. Speaking of which, you know what? I thought of you. Do you oh, see really? Jamie Dimon's announcement yesterday? No. What did he say? He said... Uh, if you want to be back in the office, he said, you have to be back in the office. Yeah. And he said, and if you want to be back in the office, you need to be vaccinated. Yeah. And if you aren't going to be in the office, you can't work here. In other words, <laughs> he said, <laughs> if you want to be at work for J.P. Morgan, you need to be vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what, I think, quite frankly, I think that's what leadership looks like. Well, I think Kirby he has done. was firm. A lot What's of pushback. That? The, the CEO of United, you remember, he got a lot of pushback from yeah. United staff. He was like, I don't care. I don't care. But what you said, you said something you said really, and and, uh, I'd like you to expand on it because it uh, it struck me. You said when we were talking about fintech and Mm Web3 and this notion of decentralization and all these VCs talking about the great decentralized future, which will give them opportunity for greater centralization of wealth. Yeah. You said, guys, I'd rather have Jamie, Jamie Dimon running it. Yeah. Yeah, I would. So I just more? think I, because I think it's, it's it reminds me of a lot of these. I was talking to someone about my book that I'm working on, and one of the things that was exhausting for most of the people I cover is they always have to do this change the world thing. Like we're changing the world. I was like, you know what, Jimmy Diamond doesn't do that. He's just a banker making money. Like, stop it. You're all making money. And I think that was one of the issues is that they kind of ha- they sort of I don't want to use the term virtue signaling, but they kind of that's what it kind of is. Like, and so like they always have an agenda that's not what they're saying and. I don't really feel like I that Jamie Diamond is tricking me. Like, does that make sense? Like, at least he, like, at least I'm here to make money. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to run, like, I'm going to run at Adam Newman because that's what I want to do. I want that that deal. And so I just find, um, 
I just think the, the the agendas that are behind the agendas exhaust me with these people, and they they and they're using emotional terms with people who are more desperate to make them feel like they belong. It's very Trumpy. I find tech people very Trumpy in some ways. You know, popular people. We're here for the people, and they're the richest people on yeah. earth. I just, I don't buy it. That's what I'm the, saying. The as you're speaking, the contrast I would offer is I spoke at uh, Jamie. Jamie has a gathering of alternative investment professionals, and he has a gathering of the, like 100 C- CFOs yeah. of the biggest companies. And I spoke at it, and someone asked him about tax policy, and he just said, and he seemed very earnest. He's like, "People in this room have killed it. Taxes mm-hmm. probably need to go up. It's mm-hmm. it's time. It's mm-hmm. just gotten out of control." And you got the sense yeah. he really meant it. And yeah. then, and then on in contrast, when you go to the valley, it's like. We're better capital allocators. We're an interplanetary yeah. species. They start talking as if, yeah. as if they're the ones that are going to save the world, and y- you have a moral obligation to tax them less because they are better capital allocators than the government. Yeah, they like to do that, and it's an entirely sometimes different they are, sort of vibe. You know, I, I know it's like it's a religion with them. Uh, listen, I've had a lot of beefs with Jamie Dimon, but I feel like I know where he's coming from. That's all. I feel like. That's all. I just need to know where people are coming from, and you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, Anyways, uh, Anyhow, I thought you Let's get you'd... on to our big stories. The FTC's monopoly case against Meta is back on. The case was previously thrown out last June when the judge said that the FTC hadn't shown Meta was a monopoly. Now that's changed and are refiling the case. And this is under Lena Khan, who uh, who is not who didn't file the original case, I believe. The FTC used Comscore data and time on site to show Meta is drowning out its competitors. That was enough to convince the judge to let the case proceed. He just basically said, "Do better work, do your work, and return it to me." Um, if the FTC wins and breaks up Meta, would it solve the issues that came out last year? But it's it's on essentially. That's what it, what we're saying is on. Um, and is the problem at, at Facebook's size, Facebook's business model, and what can be done? There's speaking of like, don't mess with us because markets will. It will be their argument, you know, like TikTok or whatever. That's what they'll say. So, but it's on. Yeah, they they had to do this. They've been working nights because when it got kind of. Preet made an interesting comment when I was on his podcast mm-hmm. saying that if you bring a case and it's dismissed, mm-hmm. it's basically a very strong signal that that this won't hold water. And so right. they had to come back and yeah. and get approval to move forward with this. And yep. this is absolutely needed. If you were, I believe the largest tax cut in the history of corporate, the corporate world would be if you figured out a way to lower the rents being charged by Facebook and Google. Because right. if if a product or a service cannot be leveraged to differentiate your product, as Nike did with TV or William Sonoma did with catalogs, but mm-hmm. everybody has to use it, yeah. it's no longer an offering; it's a tax. Yes. So if we this were able to John lower, John Greenblatt the- noted this: like they can't, they can't abandon it. Like they can do, they can do it for a little bit for pressure, but they can't, can't ask people to give up their economic advantage, essentially. Well, and, and people, people say, well, there's choice. I mm-hmm. say this. With firsthand knowledge, uh, my firm, Section 4, the online ed company, I can't – so I I have some credibility, I think, when I say Mm -hmm. I don't like Facebook. I don't want them to be successful. I don't think the executives there uh, acquit themselves well. We will spend at Section 4 3 to $5 million this year on Facebook. And you know why? We have no fucking choice. Yeah. And the notion – Is there any choice? Any choice whatsoever. 
Well, it's you have it's Facebook. The answer is, do you do Facebook or Google? And the answer is yes. You have yeah. to do both. Right. They have sequestered the entire online world. Mm -hmm. Two thirds of all, mm -hmm. it's sixty or seventy cents on the digital dollar goes to them. It's probably eighty to ninety if you throw Amazon in there. Amazon has increased its rents or the percentage of the take from thirty part third party retailers from nineteen to thirty four cents. The entire gestalt of the valley around criteria for investing is, would this be a good company that we get 3X on? No, we don't invest in that. Is this a company that could potentially establish monopoly yeah. power and monopoly rents? Yeah. That's everything they're it's funding. 80% Facebook and Google, according to the UK's Competition and Markets <laughs> Authority. Just digitalized. Okay, so if you want to acquire customers online, which everybody to. does, because the market, you just have no choice. You don't have a business. So I get, I get justifiably, I get pushed back and shit saying, Scott, you're such a, uh, you're yeah. such, you're such a critic of Facebook, yet you're, you're, you're funding them. And I'm like, well, I don't like coal-fired plants, but I turn on my lights. Yeah, right. What choice do we have? Right. So if you were to go in and break these guys up, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, three separate companies. Yeah. And you were to break up YouTube, Google, um, break up their advertising monopoly, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden people had kind of eight choices, not, yeah. not two, mm -hmm. the rents would come way down. And they think might, about yeah. what Google has achieved. There is no market in the world that has a 93% market share leader in a $150 billion category with the types of margins they have, which means right. they are extracting rents that are too high. So. I'm, I am all in on this. We yeah. desperately need the largest tax break in the history of corporate America would be us breaking up big tech and lowering the rents on everyone else in the ecosystem the that really rents. has no choice. I like the way, that's a good way to do it. Now, now, listen, they're going to argue that they don't have a monopoly on social media. Um, other social networks exist, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit. Reddit's obviously going to do an IPO. Um, mm -hmm. FTC is countering by saying the other social networks don't focus on connecting friends and family. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that. There's no others. There's, the others are sort of uh, communications or entertainment. Communications or entertainment are the rest of them. I mean, Reddit's yeah, not, the, I don't go there the with data, my family. I go there to read it. Yeah. The data doesn't support that. 93% yeah. of search is one company. Two-thirds of social is one company. Right. And it's just not – and it, it the market share point is – it's a data point – but I think we need to go to the more Brandeisian uh, view of antitrust. And that Brandeisian. Is, is it I like creating... when you throw in Brandeisian, but go ahead. I know. That's, that's my safe word. <laughs> Stop Brandeisian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my safe word. How can actually, you get it out true. with the ball gag? That's a tough one. Actually, ball gag. Brandeisian. Actually, you know what my safe word is. What? You know what my safe word is. No, what is it? Oh, good God. I can't believe I just asked that. Go ahead. M maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of George Hahn. Courtesy of Jihan. G-Man. G-Man. Yeah. How about that? By the way, we were brainstorming for segments right. on my new CNN Plus show, and one of them's going to be George Who? Walks the Dog, and he's just going to take me for walks, and I'm going to ask him a question. Really? Anyways, okay. isn't that funny? You make a star like of George. I hope you do. Yeah, I think he's already a star. I think he's going to make me. I think, he's, I think it's going to be the way around. Needs, people need to get, get some George. People need a little more Jihan. Jihan, A little yeah. more Jihan. All right, back to this. So, um, so this, what do you think of this? I mean, I think that she, uh, that she has come to play. Like Lena Khan has come to play. I do. Oh, I no shit. She, re she does her homework. She's like one of those people who does her homework, right? Like, mm, no. 
that kind of thing. She's super, yeah. she's super inspiring. You know, she's, I think, early 30s academic mm-hmm. who wrote a paper while she was in graduate school, and now she's advising the president. I don't think people yeah. realize, right. just because I follow this stuff pretty closely, when you listen to President Biden right now, it right. is literally, he is clearly that morning in the room with Tim right. Wu and likely Lena Khan and likely Cantor and yeah. taking very copious notes. Yeah. I mean, they are having, it's just, I think I find it inspiring yeah. that people like Tim Wu and Lena Khan who devote their life to really trying to understand the yeah. domain of a certain yeah. narrow area can end up whispering in the president's ear and having this kind of impact. Right. They can be lifted out of a university at such a young age and have this kind of impact. It's I think it speaks well to, I mean, in addition to antitrust, it just speaks well to it speaks well to America. And, you know, they're both children of immigrants. Um, anyways, I, I'm I'm super excited. I think the capitalist argument for breakup has to take center stage, not this bullshit that they're bad people or right. we're angry at them or we right. – Bernie and Senator Warden start, Senator Warden, Warren start talking, uh, attacking them for being billionaires. It's like, mm-hmm. well, Jesus Christ, that's your fault. Pass progressive taxes. Right. right. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm super excited about antitrust. I hope it gets – it continues mm-hmm. to get momentum. You're going to see more of it. I think so too. Um, all right, so uh, so we'll see what happens here. This is going to be an interesting thing, and also um, it'll be interesting the, the discovery and how how much the government's willing. I do think there is a commitment on the part of the government to do something about this. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the deal with Zynga and take a listener mail question. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, 
Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Scott, we're back with our second big story. Games publisher Take-Two Interactive is buying Zynga, the company behind games like Farmville and Words with Friends, for $12.7 billion. It's the biggest deal in the history of video games, but investors uh, didn't want to play. Take-Two stocks dipped on the news. The deal is expected to close by the end of June. This is a long, long story. I've known Mark Pankus, the founder of Zynga, for a long time. Um, he was almost there with uh, a, a social network. He was really early to social networks and didn't wasn't able to put off the ground long before he was in Washington, D.C. And he had a, another company that was sort of early, um, very early to a lot of big trends that other people took advantage of later. But this is sort of an interesting, Zing has been way down, but under the new CEO, it's gone up a little bit. It's gone, but it definitely was sort of the hot ticket item and then isn't. So what do you think of this purchase? Take two's hits on the console and desktop, Grand Theft Auto, NBA, 2K games. Zingles are mobile, obviously. So what what do you think what do you think about this? We don't pay a lot of attention to games. I'd like to get your take. I've been doing all the talking here. I'm dominating them. Okay. Well, I just think it's, uh, you know, these, the, the Zynga has been sort of bumping along, bumping along, bumping along. They were certainly early to the game, but they they just, they bumped along. They just had a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs. At one point, they owned like three buildings in San Francisco, a lot of parties, this and that, and then sort of uh, had a, it's been a very hard ride. I think it's probably a good outcome for their investors because uh, it's up significantly from their where their price has been, although the price has been up significantly from where it was before. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's okay. It's good. It's you know. <laughs> I think these people miss the boat. Essentially, I think these. I think they miss the boat on this stuff. So, so. Yeah, it's um. You're right. It, it it's probably the most underappreciated industry relative to its size. Yeah, yeah. You've got. I think it's about 130 billion. Just by contrast, I think domestic U.S. box office. And we're always talking about films and what was the latest yeah. film. And what's happening in movie theaters? That's like seven billion. I mean, this industry is enormous. In addition, it's growing. Uh, high single digits. It's growing 8% a year. Yeah, and exactly. there's just very few industries over $100 billion other than see above search and social that are growing at high single digits. It's an incredible industry, high margin. It's biggest growth driver, and this speaks to the rationale behind this acquisition, its biggest growth driver is Asia, where it's growing double digits, and 70% of the players in Asia are playing via mobile. And the revenue model there is freemium microtransactions and advertising. Yeah. But essentially the rationale for this acquisition and Strauss Elnick, who strikes me as a very savvy operator, nice guy, also super into fitness, um, um, is, yeah. uh, anyways, has said, look, we have this incredible IP, you know, Grand mm -hmm. Theft Auto, they have some amazing games, but we don't have the skills in the DNA for kind of this freemium mobile model. Yep. And yeah. Zynga does. So, and we said this last week that you are going to see the game uh, the game space heat up. And mm -hmm. this is, I mean, I don't know about you, my kids, my boys, or something about the male, young male brain, they just love video games. And I'm trying yeah. to trying to do a better job of scolding my kids or manicure what they're supposed to be interested in or not interested in based on my preconceived notions. And I've decided to lean into it. My son 
uh, I did a coin-based account with my son because he seemed interested, and I thought, well, I want him to learn about the markets. Maybe this is how he does. He's learned to earn things. And the other mm-hmm. thing I'm trying to do is, especially my youngest is really into video games, I'm trying to figure out a way for him to take these courses or online classes uh, where we can learn how to try and program a video game because he seems interested. But that industry, oh, my gosh, there are yeah. two industries that are growing right now, and media and everything else is kind of declining yeah. other than, you know, shitty little yeah, podcasts the- at – and it's 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 video games and streaming. Yeah, it's true. I think you know the, the Zynga CEO Frank Gibna, who who took over for Mark Ping is maybe there was another CEO in there somewhere, but um, he'll be leading these mobile efforts, and they can then take the franchises of of Take Two uh, into a bigger space. You know, I mean, into into the mobile space. I think that's one of the things is some of these franchises. Uh, that they can make into mobile games. Um, and so, you know, at first investors were down. Now the stock is up. Um, That's right. This is interesting. Um, they just said it out loud as we see tremendous untapped potential to bring Take-Two's renowned council and PC properties to mobile, a high-priority initiative energized by the addition of Zynga's leading development, publishing, and live operations team. Um, and that's true. That This is where um, they were there. Zynga's was been there a long time. Um often Zynga was sort of a canary in the coal mine of a lot of things and then didn't take the most advantage of it. Um, But at the same time, it's good for them. I think people are now um, feeling good, better about this deal. I think they are. You know, I think they're feeling better. It makes sense. Um, And you're seeing a lot of other game developers doing the same thing. So, um, you know, I think if you remember when Farmville was so popular for a short, for, you know, it was one of those hot things. They they rode to to fame and fortune on Facebook, on the back of Facebook, Mm -hmm. speaking of which when Facebook was doing was sort of the, the was the accelerant for a lot of these different things. A lot of them, most of them fell by the wayside in that sort of trade. Um, But um, but it's also uh, it's good for them. There's also the the issues around uh, Apple's privacy changes. Um, so they, they, Take Two needs more heft in fighting that. Um, and so this privacy feature, as people know, know has happened, has affected a lot of companies in iOS uh, called App Tracking Transparency (ATT). Um, and so as they're bigger, um, it's important to get bigger to to allow them to get over the privacy roadblocks that this has put in their way. Um, well, it's so. in, the, the unintended consequence of the Apple privacy moves mm-hmm. is Facebook's earnings have not been hit because their ability to target has gone down. It's just yeah. they've passed through those price increases to end, the end consumer. Yeah. And that is yeah. now to acquire consumers on Facebook. Your cost of yeah. customer acquisition has gone up, but it's not like Facebook has said, okay, we're, we're – um, we're, we're cutting prices. And yeah. also, you brought up a really important notion. There's sort of, there's the haves and the have-nots now. And the haves are the ones that have enough interaction with their client base or with their customer base that they have a, enough first-party data to build that digital corpus such that they can come up with a recommendation engine or they can come up with better targeting for advertising. And so everybody is talking about first-party data that Company I'm in, or a company I'm involved with, Open Web, they pitched one of the things about a more robust comments section is mm-hmm. you just get more interaction and more first party data. Because if the New York Times can't build an ecosystem that's strong enough to inspire a lot of interaction, that they can then capture that data so they can serve you better articles or target you better, they're going to be totally dependent upon the ecosystems that do have first party data. And that's specifically Google and Facebook. So everybody's mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I can't capture data from third party from other sites, I've got to yeah. I've got to get to a critical mass or heft of my own first party data. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's important. This company. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Kara. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, the other thing is just around gaming. I mean, I'm looking at the market cap here. Take two, some iconic brands. I mean, the things, the things, seventeen billion dollars or eighteen billion dollars in market cap right now. You don't think, and I, I trust the DOJ and the FTC will get in the way of this. But when Facebook realizes this Oculus thing isn't working out, but mm -hmm. they're big, they really want to kind of jumpstart the metaverse. Mm -hmm. Where do you think they'll go? Yeah. What do you Game. think they could acquire? They'll start. And by the way, it, these are iconic titles, yeah. and it would be a 2% dilution. I, I think it would be yeah, nothing. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think one of the things that's interesting is the, the ride of Mark Pincus. I mean, he, again, he was super early to a lot of the stuff, and it was the hottest company. He still is an owner. Uh, he's been CEO twice. If I, I think it's twice. Um, he, you know, it was it was the company. I can't even tell you. And then it was the IPO. They had a problem, and then they had all these pricey acquisitions and stuff like that. And so he, but he owns about five percent of the company at this point. Um, so he'll make some money here, not not as much as you think, but it's it's interesting. He's going to make a ton of money. I think he's going to make about four hundred million dollars, something like that. But like he was going to be the. I don't know how much money he has at all, but he was going to be, he was sort of at the lead of it. And so then he's getting sold. It's kind of, I was going to write him saying, oh, this is how it ends, I guess. Okay. Um, but uh, but it was uh, Farmville and, and what he had done on Facebook was really a big deal uh, way back when. And he had all kinds of, there was all, but there was all kinds of drama around that company almost always. Um, in terms of how they hired and different people that went in and out of there. And um, anyway, they, but they had some great ideas about their virality and this and that. So there's some, um, uh, there's some, there's some sadness here in terms of that it was going to be the, it was going to be the Facebook or whatever. And then it's uh, this, but it's He's going to have to settle exit. for 400 million. He's going to have to settle for 400 million. <laughs> well, Okay. It was oh Don Matrick okay. was in there Microsoft's Xbox and then then he left and then Mark was the CEO and they brought in this guy who wasn't as well known who was from Electronic Arts Frank Gibno uh, Gibbo Gibbo excuse me Gibbo anyway so it, it's just interesting it's an it's an interesting story and you know good this is what's going to happen you're right there's a lot of others a lot of people think that Pinterest should be in there there's a whole bunch of companies. Um, that are at lows, and so that you're going to see a lot more purchasing going on um, in the next six months because a lot of them are at lows. Tons and tons of companies um, are interest you know, in Twitter. Yeah, there's going to be interest, interest in, in everything. Pinterest yeah. is the one I'm looking at. I'm looking at that one. Really? Yes, I think it's mm. a bargain. It's a bargain. It's a bargain. Anyway, uh, and they've had ups and downs, but it's, it's down a lot. So we'll see. All right, let's pivot to a listener question. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, this is Hashem from the Mojave Desert. I'm a Silicon Valley escapee. My question is what you think the principles of good retail should be as we get through COVID. The pandemic accelerated e-commerce and shook out a lot of bad retail. But coming out of it, there seems to be a desire for physical connection and maybe a new approach to physical retail that isn't all about going to e-commerce. If you were starting a consumer brand, what would you prioritize in a physical experience today? Thanks a lot. That's a great question from Hashem. But why did you go to the Mojave Desert if you're escaping silk? I'm thinking Hawaii, Fiji, or Scott's home in Florida, where I can send you the map exactly where it is if you'd like. <laughs> um, you answer this one, Scott. You're the retail. You, you, you. Uh, well, first off, the desert mean? is the most beautiful ecosystem in the I world, know. Kara. Um, I know. 
best sunsets. Uh, anyways, okay. look, uh, uh, you said this. Retail is sort of bifurcating. From a consumer end, retail is bifurcating into either mass efficiency, I can get you everything at a good price within 48 hours to your doorstep, or experience. And whether it's the Museum of Ice Cream or the way you feel in Lululemon, whether there's someone doing yoga in the, in the room, mm -hmm. or when you go into a restoration hardware yeah. and you think, wow, I'd like to hang out here for the entire weekend. Mm -hmm. Or you go into an Apple store and you feel inspired, or a nice young man comes up to you and uh, as a uh, 57-year-old man makes you feel comfortable with him actually putting tea tree oil on your, your bags, and you, you somehow feel like your eye bags think, wow, this guy really knows knows makeup and and has incredibly high EQ and their cast is amazing. That was probably a weird example, but the, I think it's one or the other. And um, like music festivals are a form of retail. They're going to boom. So merchandising always matters, the mm -hmm. voice, but it's bifurcating into experience or efficiency and the new core competence uh, as led by Amazon in terms of bifurcating or determining the winners and losers is having enough capital to rethink and reconfigure post-COVID your supply chain, whether it's a quick service restaurant that gets over 50% of its orders online as mm -hmm. the biggest, the kind of biggest QSRs do, or a company like Urban Outfitters is now basically an e-commerce company with 550 warehouses called stores. Mm -hmm. Your ability to create uh, online, you know, buy online, pick up in store, pick up at the curb, um, yeah, seamless returns across channels. Experiential is um, critical. I was just, I almost took a picture day and I didn't, I, well, maybe I'll send a man out and take a picture of all my boxes. Like I'm like such mm -hmm. an ad for what's happened. Um, I, I, I squished them, I had them all in the basement and I, because I'm anal retentive, I organized them lovely out at the curb for the um, recycling people. But um, it's just, if I try really hard to shop local, but it's so frustrating. It is, you know what I mean? Like it's just, nothing's there. It's not just because the, supply chain, but you never find what you want. And then Amazon, you find what you want in two seconds or wherever, anywhere online, not just Amazon. And so, or Etsy, I've been shopping at Etsy quite a bit lately um, mm -hmm. and some other places. Uh, I was at Macy's the other day. I bought something from Macy's online. Obviously they have stores, Walmart, um, uh, all kinds of stuff. And so I think the online experience has to be experiential in a, in a creative, pleasing, or you can't get it anywhere else kind of thing. I just don't, I, I, I think people have the tolerance. They may want to get back into stores. The same thing with movie theaters. They've got to have good popcorn or good seats or good something, something that makes it like where I can, if I can do it at home, similarly, why would I go there? Like, why would I go there? And I don't, you know, I, it's, I know people talk about the social experience, say movies or things like that. I don't talk to anyone at the movies. I don't, you know. Unless it's a totally packed theater, which you don't find anymore. And it's some like, you know, I don't know, Marvel movie or something. So um, in any case, I think experiential is the only way to go here. Like something, mm -hmm. something special. Correct? Well, I like to make things and then put them on Etsy. So I'm I'm yeah. trying to sell my kids on Etsy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I that's like some good platform humor. I like humor. furniture stores. I don't like shopping for. I like to go look. Although I just bought two chairs without going to a store, and they're very fine. They were they had a very good experience online. I bought two stores from West. Oh uh, my! Literally, one of my favorite things in the world on weekends is to go to this furniture the best stores. furniture store in the world, this BDDW store in Soho, mm -hmm. where like a lamp a costs forty five thousand dollars, and just yeah. walk around and look at look it, at and things. have them ask me about five times if I can help you, which is their way of saying, 
get out of here. <laughs> um, I love I love a furniture store, but my, I, I uh, literally just started buying furniture online, so I don't know. I don't know, Hush Ishim. I, I, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun or interesting or or um, something, something, something. Yeah, right? What's What's old is new again. What's your favorite store? Merchant. What's your favorite store? This This furniture Gosh, store. That's a really good one. My favorite store. Uh, oh, hands down, BDW. I think um, they do an amazing job. And I think Restoration Hardware is an absolute inspiration. Yeah, I, I think I their grand think plazas or grand whatever they're called. Even yeah. if you don't like that furniture, what they've done there. I mean, yeah, little things. You know the restaurant, the restaurant on top? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a nice restaurant. Place. But you know, what, you know what Gary Freeman did with the restaurant? Mm-hmm. He said, wine, but no alcohol. I don't want a bunch of guys getting drunk up here and making women yeah, feel yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, a lot of ladies up there. A lot of ladies. And and they feel like they're in Mendocino or in the wine country. Yeah, it's pretty. And it just, the vibe is wonderful. And to do that and forego the margins of alcohol, every business person would go, no, that's a bad idea. And it's yeah. like, no, it, we want this to be a it's feel that you're in thing. And they buy like Sonoma. a sham on the way down, a $4,000 sham. Um, I, uh, I, my favorite store ever was- What's your favorite? Now, my hardware mm-hmm. store. I love a hardware store. You can't. You can't have an Amazon. Amazon doesn't give you a hardware store experience. Okay, I love wandering. I'm. Hard- I'm just gonna hold my tongue. I'm <laughs> okay. just gonna hold my tongue. <laughs> Ask Amanda. I love a hardware store. I love. I know. Oh, I'm so happy in a hardware. You're store. literally. You're baiting me. You're baiting me right now. This is a. <laughs> this is literally gonna- <laughs> a ploy to get me canceled. Well, I see what's going on here. I no, see what's going what I, on here. Here is what I like. I like, there was a store when I was growing up called Fiorucci. I would take a bus from Princeton, New Jersey to New York to go to Fiorucci. It was delightful. I, I didn't know what I was going to find there. And it was like all these trendy. It was, it was like the, Z Gallery when I was young. I'm like, just, oh, they have the coolest furniture. Cool. You remember Spencer's Gifts? They had the dirty toys. They had the dirty presents and stuff like that. That's like, really old. There's so much underwear. great retail. I love Super Target. Yeah. I love roaming around Best I Buy. Apple. I guess the Apple store, I suppose. Well, Apple I like, sp- amazing stores. Amazing if store. Apple opened a coffee store, that would be my new store. office. I don't order it online. I go there. I go there. there there's there's a store I go to. I, it's, it's just it's as easy fantastic. to order online. Fantastic store. I enjoy it. I'm very happy there. Yeah, that would be a good example. Anyway, Hashim, thank you for the good question. I love airport retail. I love Bottega oh, I do Banana. Like airport I love retail. Keel stores. I, I like, I mean, re- I like luggage stores at retail. Anyway, we're so strange. Anyway. The Ramoa store. I, I love oh, Ramoa. Yeah, There's so store. many amazing, yeah. great brands yeah, I mean, right now. I, I love the like new On store. On running store in Soho oh, does a yeah. fantastic job. Yeah. There's a lot La Cologne, that new artisanal coffee place. There's just oh. so much great retail have, out there. Uh, and it has to be great. I think called Compass Coffee. It's wonderful. Anyway, that's a good Dig. question. Send oh, us more. Send us more. If you got a question you're curious about, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit it for the show. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Scott, give us this week's prediction. It's so nice as us remembering good stores. Stores can be wonderful. Anyway, what is mm-hmm. your prediction? I need a prediction from you. By the way, I took my boys to Barnes & Noble last weekend. Um, speaking of stores, 
It's interesting. They're like, let's go to Barnes & Noble. We what? went to Barnes & Noble Why? and Chick-fil-A. And unfortunately, okay. I made the mistake of going on Sunday. Um, All right. Jesus getting in the way of my bonding with my kids. <laughs> uh, anyways, everyone just totally mocked me on Twitter. I'm like, we're off to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, shithead, it's Sunday. Anyways, my prediction. We're going to see there's a lot of really healthy discussion around the concentration of power and the onerous rents it charges on people, whether it's big ag, big pharma, and obviously the one we love, our go-to is big tech. In 2022, we're finally going to see an overdue discussion around big ed. And when I say big ed, mm -hmm. I mean the cartel that is higher education cartel. and their ability to embrace you know, preying on middle-class homes, this dream that you of you know, or this general feeling that you failed unless you send your kids to college, this rejectionist culture that arbitrages kids down to a Hyundai for the price of a Mercedes, which places huge strain emotionally and financially on middle-class households. We need more competition. We need to reject the nonprofit status or revoke the nonprofit status of any school with an endowment over a billion dollars. It's not growing its freshman seats faster than population. They've nice. decided they're no longer public servants, that they are, in fact, uh, luxury brands. We need to dramatically open the spigot in terms of competition. We need to put schools on the hook for some of that bad debt. So their job isn't to get you debt sponsored by taxpayers that they then cash the check and they have no real incentive to ensure you're able to pay it back because they got their money. They're not on the hook for it. So it, it is overdue. We're gonna see the conversation around antitrust, around monopoly and big and big whatever, put fill in the blank, is gonna move to this, this talk around big ed. We know the problems. And it stems from the same ugly place, and that is artificial scarcity mm -hmm. and monopoly power. So over the 2022, you're going to hear the term Big Ed more. Big Ed. All right. I'm going to put in a little uh, prediction here. Pinterest. Yeah, go for going, it. it uh, you're going to see some action around Pinterest. I'm just guessing. Pinterest. And who do, you think it'll, who do you think it'll be? I don't know. That one I haven't figured out yet. We'll talk about that next week. It's probably going to be PayPal again. You know, PayPal's PayPal. interested. Someone. I, I, I you're 100% like right. That number is so far down. Like, I kind of want to buy it. You're in? You're ready? I'm in. I'm not buying anything. Are you kidding? Let's do it. You know what? We could do a Dow. <laughs> the Jungle Cat and the Dog Dow. Okay. We're buying Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just have, a, I have my little spidey sense is tangling, is tangling. No, I think, it, I think tangling. you know something. Anyway, you know Scott, something. as usual, what a great show. Um, we are very excited to be going. To, we're gonna, I'm excited to go to Florida soon. We're really, we really do have a really good program. It's coming up um, and it's going to be great. So, so buy your tickets and stuff like that. I think we have a lot of people on, on the list, but please, if you'd like to go, let us know. Um, okay, Scott, that's the show. We're observing MLK Day, so we'll be back on Wednesday, but we're not going to not have a show for you because that's the kind of people we are. So we are going to tape on Tuesday and uh, come on Wednesday. Scott, will you read us out? Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mia Silverio. Ernie Entertot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Box Media. We'll be back next Wednesday for another break breakdown of all things tech and business. The greatest assault on middle-class prosperity, the self-aggrandizement, arrogance, and poor commitment to the commonwealth of higher education that is drunk on exclusivity and has raised rents faster than any sector in the world. It is time to break up Big Ed.
Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 